Hemshechayim Beis, Volume One. We concluded Chapter Seventy One, and hopefully we shall enter into Chapter Seventy Two, which is Discourse Nineteen, Second Day of Rosh Hashanah, Tafreshayim Gimel, Anila Deidi V'Deidi Li, which is not such a common beginning for a Maimur Rosh Hashanah. It's usually an Elul, but here it's the Second Day of Rosh Hashanah, so. But I wanted to review and add some things to, uh, I want to share some inside information in chapters, the last few chapters. So firstly, just a summary. I mean, an easy way to categorize the last few chapters is really an interpretation in Baruch Sha'amah, the opening of Davening, or more specifically, Pesukah de Zimra. So the explanation in Baruch Sha'amah um, which essentially can be defined as being a, a meditation, a contemplation, a processing of understanding the relationship, God's relationship with us, with existence. Remember, we're not talking about God's relationship with God. We're not even talking about God's relationship with souls or with Torah or with his desire for a dira b'tachten, because that's all God, God's own... Uh, it's a relationship with himself, really, if you call it a relationship at all. We're talking about relationship with existence, which poses a major dilemma. This is what I want to elaborate upon. And I'll tell you some things I saw in the sources of the Ayin material. I researched a bit more about Baruch Shamar, where it originates in the Alter Rebbe. I haven't finished, but I found some fascinating stuff, some real explanations that tremendously can help understand some of this stuff. I'm assuming those explanations are from the Alter Rebbe himself, but it could also be some Chassidim writing, so I'm not sure. Because as I mentioned, the Alter Rebbe, besides Tanya, did not write the rest of his discourses. He said them, and they were put on paper, committed to paper, by primarily five manichim, five writers. I mentioned them. The Maril was the Alter Rebbe's brother, the Mitla Rebbe and Rav Moshe, the Alter Rebbe's sons, Rav Pinchas Rezes, Harap, um, and the Tzemach Tzedek. There may have been more. I didn't do complete research, but those are the five primary ones. So everything we have from the Alter Rebbe, this is vital because the Alter Rebbe is the foundation of Chabad, Chassidus, comes from these five writers, besides Tanya. I'm not talking about Tanya. And in some cases, the Alter Rebbe looked over these discourses, like the Siddur that I mentioned, the Siddur Imdach, that the Mitla Rebbe published in his lifetime, he writes that the Alter Rebbe reviewed. The editor's Rabbi Matasov and others comment on that, you know, because they couldn't find actual edits of the Alter Rebbe, so it means that he reviewed review it and just approve it, or that maybe he reviewed it and gave comments orally, or he maybe have written stuff and we lost it. But in other words, my point is the Alter Rebbe did look over material, and there's sometimes in Tehreir, you'll find one place that says, this is the Ksavyat Kaidish from the Alter Rebbe himself. I'm only stating because I think it's good to know, you know, because that's really the the canon of Chassidus Chabad begins with the Alter Rebbe. That's really the Mittler Rebbe Siddur. No, it is the Mittler Rebbe Siddur, because Mittler Rebbe wrote it. Yeah, it is. But it's what he heard. He writes in his introduction. This is my Marami heard from the Alter Rebbe at different, different times, and he organized it according to the Pirish of Siddur. So, point being, so I looked into this, so there's a few places that Baruch Shammar has discussed. The Siddur, of course, is the main place. It's different. But when you really study it, you see very, very strong similarities to the ideas. It's just on a different level. 
I mentioned this already, that Baruch Shamar and the, the Alter Rebbe, that in the, in the Mimer, it's Matis Masay Tovkov Samardal, is when the Alter Rebbe said that. There he speaks from Ak and lower. Baruch Shamar begins in Ak, and he moves all the way down, based on the Arizal, the Siddha Arizal. The explanation we're, we're learning, and that explanation was cited earlier, if you remember, in chapter 23. The explanation we're learning is much higher and before the, it begins before the symptom. Yeah, but here specifically you find this in, in actual, yeah. th- these two interpretations. But it's very clear to me when you start reading the, the interpretation, the original interpretation is based on the Arizal, which in a way is more grounded. But when you read that, you realize that Baruch Shammar is, is the process of how from an etzem that's beyond anything, because that's what he says there also. He just begins with Ak. But basically, if you really go to the root, that's what he says, the Sherish, it really begins, obviously, before the Tzimtzum. But there's a lot you can derive from that. So there's the Siddur. Then that's the Mittler Rebbe's. Then there's that same discourse you find Rab Moshe, the Alter Rebbe's son, wrote it. Interestingly, with a lot more explanation in some pieces. I'll, I'll share some of that now. And you have the Tzimach Tzedek. And you have some other variations of this discourse. Each one adds very tremendous elements to it. But the most thing I was most amazed was I found one mimer that actually explains it in a way that it makes it a lot easier to, to understand. So what bottom line is, Baruch Shammar is about the relationship of existence in the world. So what's the dilemma? Let's talk about the presenting dilemma. I think it will help tremendously because I saw some questions we all had. And but the origins of Baruch Shammar is Piskin Nachas No. The origin, you mean to say the origins in Halacha? Baruch Shama is not a is not, is not a pasuk. It's it's it's, uh, yeah, so, so it's composed by Anshik Nasek Dela based on. That's what I'm saying. It's not yeah, I heard that was Piska Nachas Mishmaya. You ever heard that? No. You mean to book, say yeah. that they heard it from who heard it? Who? I mean, you have to. There's, there's fun in that have Mikaelis of the yeah, yeah. What do they say? What is Shara Kail? He must say. Was it was they Piska? What? Who 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 was who was Mikabulat? When, when is the first uh, documentation of Baruch Shammah? That's the question. I didn't really research. That, so that would be interesting. Absolutely. If you can look into it, I'd definitely pose that because it's good, interesting. Well, you know, what we were talking about, if you remember, the Mittler Rebbe brings straight that the, uh, the, 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 the Arizal says that Baruch Shammah B'Hoyelam is Ak. What do you call it? Remember? And, um, and then he goes to Galgalta Da'arich, Moichus Moichin, etc., etc. But the point that I wanted to make was let's start with the, the initial point of departure. The, the presenting dilemma of all of Ayin Beis and all of Chassidus, Kabbalah for that matter. <clears throat> but Ayin Beis is very clear the interface. What's the dilemma? The dilemma is, I've said it many times, obviously the dilemma is how does the finite meet the infinite? How does the divine meet existence? But let's spell out the dilemma even more bluntly, something we all can relate to. The dilemma is, Existence is a yesh. Its definition is yesh. We all have self-interest. We're driven by self-interest. Just look at the extent of how some scientists and philosophers completely deny anything but survival of the fittest. That all is, Richard Dawkins writes, the selfish gene. It doesn't capture more what yesh is. A selfish gene. Not selfish human being. The gene is selfish. Our genetic makeup is selfish because the gene, all it wants is survival. It will do whatever it takes to survive. 
If it has to cooperate with others because it needs it, so that's what it needs. But it's driven by preservation. So that's what we would call the ultimate of a yesh. Aniva afsiyat. Me and nothing else. What are the consequences of that? Let's take it to the logical conclusion. That I would kill anyone for my interest. The only reason I wouldn't is I, you know, there's, there's, I'd get caught. Other people can kill me before I kill them. So we create a system of red lights and green lights to preserve our, uh, our lives. But even evolution is right that even cooperation is also the gene has determined it's, it's in its interest. Because not everyone it can do the job alone, so it needs a spouse. It needs someone to gather the wood. It needs someone to build the house. I can't do all the jobs myself, so some of you do jobs. I pay you for it. We have an exchange of, of, of resources. And that's where we have the whole economy and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, we're selfish bacteria looking to survive. Take away all the sophistication. Strip it away from all the, 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 the sublime and glorious and, and, and thing. It comes down to a bunch of bact- billion-year-old bacteria just simply hunting, breeding, uh, protecting their young. I mean, that's a raw definition. It's not my, I'm not exaggerating it. It's pretty much, you read things like Richard Dawkins, you read Schopenhauer, you read some of these radical uh, philosophers who just say, they, the whole thing about romance, they say is, is human illusions. You know, bacteria, animals just simply meet. They don't need to have bars. They don't need courtship. They don't need romance. They don't need museums. The whole thing is just a, a quirk of nature, simply because humans develop minds, so it doesn't like past. So they don't just, you know, two bacteria meet and they do what they got to do. Okay, and bacteria don't really breed, but two animals, you know. By us, it became a whole thing. I'm just, I, I, I'm giving, this is the prevalent view of the Western way of thinking of life. No one's going to really spell it out quite this way, that it's selfish, selfish, selfish. So it's, you know, of course we see a lot of nobility, and you see people being kind, and you see people, parents crying for their children, and people do sacrifice. But comes down to it, if you really want a scientific view, and you read some of these, they say that's all because people need to feel a little better about themselves, etc., etc. But it comes down to it's raw survival, and that's what it is. And some prove it even. I'm making the case, some prove it. Look, push comes to shove. Put a few people together uh, with re- limited resources, and they fight for the same piece of food. See what what will happen then, where their nobility will go. Right. In other words, so when we live in this so-called comfort zone where you don't have to be tested, yeah, put them up in an avalanche, and there's no food, and there's the only thing they have is each other. What what happens is it's some turn to cannibalism, and then of course the mind experiment is the challenge is what would you do if you were who would know? God forbid, no one should be tested if you're tortured. We know that in the Soviet Union, other times, capos, they were tortured for their own survival. They turned their own brothers and sisters in. And, you know, it's very embarrassing, humiliating, and later people deny, whatever, but some people stoop to the lowest for their own protection, and that's it. For Jews, the capos in the, in the concentration camp were worse than the Nazis, because they were their own. I don't know if you ever saw Shoah, that long thing, that nine-hour show from this. from the, So, you know, when he starts interviewing the people who took, who shaved their heads, it's, just, it's, it's like chilling, because they, like, they knew what was going on. They were shaving the heads of their own families, or their own uh, communities. And like, you know, he starts asking them, do you know what, 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 why you're shaving their heads? Where was the hair going? You know, these, these stupid little details, but they reveal the, 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 the cruelty of it all. Anyway, the point being, and obviously I'm not going to, to concluding, so nobody should stop watching this right now, because it's not my theory. Uh, I don't, this is... This is 
take out Torah, God, from the picture, I see no reason why a person can't make a very strong argument for that type of preservation and survival. And that's yesh. That's yesh in the fullest way. If you read it in Tanya, what does he say? Tachtenim. Tachtenim. What means tachtenim? Begili elikus. To the point, had the helam vehester. Cheshach kofu mechupul. Mole klippas v'sitra achra. At shehem neged ritzene. Till they go aniv afsiyed. In other words, it's a gradation. I wouldn't say that a person is born in the worst coarse way, but when you see a, a black, a, a cold murderer out there, and someone who's just doing whatever he wants at the expense of others, it's really a result of the yesh. And just some, some people just don't take it to the extreme, and some do. Okay, well, you know something? The way the evolutionists would say, because that's also that's the survival of the species. So they'll sacrifice their, their uh, individuality for the species. Yeah, I, I'm just telling you this. I've read this. I've read even, even things like laughter. Even things like religion and transcendence, evolutionary theories will say it's necessary for the species to feel that they believe in something, because then people are more efficient. They don't, when they get depressed, they turn to God. Even God is is, is a creation of nature's need to survive. You, you can explain everything this way. I read the most sublime things, music, the most transcendent elements that you would consider to be divine, is dismissed as being. Just another thing. This is this is classic evolutionary theory. This is what everyone talks about. Every biologist is trying to figure out how everything we do. They're basically de- de- taking every noble thing we did as part of our preservation, even when we sacrifice ourselves. Anyway, the point I'm making here. This is yesh. So what's the counterforce to this? So someone will say, you know, Torah. What's Torah's response to that? That the yesh is the enemy. We have to do everything possible to destroy this yesh. You have to realize you're not self-made. You came from somewhere. God put you here. You can't just follow your whims. You don't just get up and just eat and do whatever you indulge. You have to take the yesh that by nature left its own accord without discipline. Would know Who knows where it would go? You have to discipline it. You have to harness it. You have to control it. You have to limit it. All the different things that... And that's Torah. And that's Yiddishkeit. It fights the yesh. That could be a philosophy that, one, you know, was anything wrong with what I just said? But there's one problem. Then this whole world is simply a test that we have to avoid. And when avoiding it means eliminating it and reconnecting to the God that we are, that's invisible to us. Which means there's no refinement of the world. The whole concept of Dira B'Takhtenim does not fit into what I just said. The concept of the yesh being transformed into something, no. Achdus Hashem, in this, in this, what I just said is, based on negating existence. So we have existence that is selfish, and you have God, or and, and God's, and God's uh, values as on this side, and they're pitted against each other, and they cannot, they cannot meet. It's without Essentially, yeah. Essentially, it's kafir without ishapcha. On a deeper level, it means God's unity is by negating the, the individuality, the personality, whatever, all the inclinations of our existence. Now, based on this shita, based on this shita, basically, there's like a dual duality. Yeah, that's one of the problems with this. Or you have to say that it's a duality in our mind. I mean, you get rid of elamaza, duality is not as gone. I mean, there's ways to to explain it if you want, if you force it. 
I'm not going to go now and make a whole case. I mean, I've made this, why we can't say this way. One of them is this issue. Ahdus is definitely, you know, you could say that, but that, that goes back to the Mikubalim. You could say then, okay, so our relationship is either not with God, because existence for it to completely, to, for existence to reconcile with God, you have to either compromise God or you have to compromise existence. That's a thing. Ultimately, there's no question with Darizal, Chassidus Chabad, the goal is not, is the Agdus is seen as a far deeper Agdus. And that though the Yesh does have its inclinations, and, and an argument can be made that it has its selfishness, but ultimately the Yesh also was created by God. To the point where Alter Rebbe says, Yesh Anivra is created only by Atmos. In other words, it's even its selfishness that it feels it has no cause and no source is also has a divine source, which is the essence itself. And bottom line is, Agdus is a, it has to permeate existence. In simple terms, it means that you can meet God with your individuality and with your personality and with your yesh. That doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. We're not talking about Noah Veda. There's plenty to do. What you have to do is direct your life toward godliness. That's a given. But it doesn't mean annihilating this yesh, because, in other words, the yesh is not the enemy, per se. It has forces in it that can take you, go anywhere. You see, I mean, the fact that I even presented a case, the first option, the fact that some people feel that, you right away see where it can go. But it doesn't have to go there. So we have a third option. In other words, it's not the second option where you have to give up existence, individuality. I'll put it in other words. People would always ask about the Rebbe. People ask me always, does the Rebbe know I exist? You know? I know that he knows in his general Klal Yisrael and you know all the neshamas and in the big picture, you know, of course he has the picture so the picture has every neshama in there. Does he know that me, Simon Jacobson, you, Tzvi Lang, you, you know, etc. Does he know that I exist and what I do? Like more. like your brother would know what you're doing or your father or your mother. Or even more, anybody who went through the lines of dollars. Or right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, right, exactly. To take it a step beyond, you know, the Rebbe's a tzaddik, neshama Klalis, does God know does God know specifically what I'm doing right now as if, you, you know, like you, you know, today I'm going to go walk here, walk there, and so on. Yeah, in the big picture, we have no doubt God knows. Of course, he has the big picture. Of course, he has the picture. He definitely wants the results of it all. You know, we said, God wants the pleasure of our Aveda. But the daily struggles I go through, not where the end of my life, you know, not the... the, the, the it's, it's nice to say he knows, the, you know, we only know the details and God knows the full picture. But does he know the details? That's the question. The full picture he knows and we don't know the full picture. But does he know the details like we know the details? So you can say, you can make the argument and just, uh, that God has a bird's eye view and a bird's eye view by nature does not know it from the bottom. I'm not, God forbid, saying that God does not know, cannot know it from the way we know it. But that's not what matters to him. What matters to him is the results of it all. Or like the whole thing, all 6,000 years of history, he wants to know that the, the, the team did what they had to do with ups and downs here and there and so on. Yeah, no, okay. Now, we, no, one second. We know, we know the concept, God is with us in our pain and so on. But what does this mean? Is that a, just a consolation? Is it, you know? Again, I'm not trying to make God human because that's not the point here. The point is how much... Does he identify? Does God's presence, identity, identify with our identity? It's in a subtler question what I asked before. Before it's the yesh. 
The yesh is clearly an enemy to God. So there you could argue, listen, it's an enemy to God. How could God, like the Talmud says, I and an arrogant person can't rest under the same, on the same canopy. But here, let's not even talk about the yesh. Just individuality. Why would it? God, God by definition, is not defined by details. So we, because we, we are small little insects, so we work our lives in details. God is interested in the bigger picture. Again, I'm not talking about atmos now where he encompasses everything. We're talking about some type of relationship. Can I, we sit with God at the table and he'll understand my issues, so to speak. Can you have a conversation like that with God during davening? That's the question. Or is it more the kavana and the higher purpose and, and, you know, and, and he sees the good within all the challenges? Etc. This is the dilemma. And I would say in, in just one line, all Kabbalah, the whole concept of Seder Stasis and Esesphirus is all coming to answer this dilemma. If there was no Seder Stasis, no Esesphirus, there's no meeting point between us and God. There's no meeting point. Because there's no relationship from Him to us, and there's no relationship from us to Him. Because we're made up of Chesed and Gvura and Chachm and Bina, and He's not. So he doesn't, he doesn't identify. Yeah, he created it all. It's all part of his, his instruments. But he's not, he's not connected to his hammer and nails and screwdrivers. He's connected to what you want to build with the hammer and nails. Don't get me wrong. The hammer and nails are also part of God's reality because he created them. But they don't identify with his identity. He doesn't care about the hammer. He cares about what you build with the hammer. He wants the home. The You need to have hammers. I'll do whatever it takes. But when you say that the spheres... And that's the whole question. Are the spheres elokus or not? Are the spheres divine or not? And where the Bali Niglas come to the Mukabalam and say, so who are you davening to? Because if you give divinity to Chachm and Bina and Chesed, then you're davening to the spheres, you're davening to God. So, so this becomes the big challenge. Are the spheres godly? If they're godly, are they replacing God, God forbid? Are they like a, a, some type of interface? In, their interface? This is the dilemma. So, so briefly you can say, okay, the containers are... Uh, so-called in the created domain, creation domain. The oils don't have shape and form, they just take on shape and form like uh, the tinted glasses, etc. I don't want to go into that right now because that we discussed. I want to bring it back to here. This is where the big issue comes down of the, uh, the, why can't you just say that in Atmos he wants a world and the Ratzin for Elamis is an Atmos. Because then you're giving a problem. You're giving Yeshes. I said yesterday with Aved Zara. Then you're giving the Yeshes an identity of the existence godly features. And that they're not. They have the ability to be a Yesh and they're separate on their own. On the other hand, there is a relationship. So Atmos himself is removed from existence. But there's a relationship that he at some point within the thing has a relationship where he begins to identify with us and on that level he definitely we can have a communication that he does relate to us in a very specific way Atmos again is nothing to talk about Atmos is a relationship, no relationship means nothing he could be with us, not with us that's not something we can relate, that's completely Atmos domain we're talking about can, just like you and I are speaking about our details of our lives yes, there's a state where, the, where, where, where we're in existence in 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 the in Atmos, in Eirein Sof, arises the desire for existence. Really means that he has some relationship with it. Now I'm taking what I'm saying right now. I read this Rabbi Moshe's Hanoche, the Alter Rebbe's son of this whole thing with Baruch Shamar, and then I found another another Hanoche, which was Hanoche that's very very fascinating, where he talks very much about 
really three levels. He says that there's um, what I, well, we, we spoke about it, but it spells it out specifically. Much confirms a lot of what we spoke about. He, he speaks about the unconscious, by the way. He says there's, there's a helam that's only a helam relative to us. Like, for example, you know you have conscious intelligence. You have to conclude. He even says an expression in the Siddur, he says, where did that intelligence come from if there's nothing behind the wall, behind the door? But that's called, he calls that helam hu. That's baruch hu. It's a helm, but he gives an example. In another mime, he says it's like a person you know, you were just here in this room, then you left the room. I know you exist, but I can't call you Atta, I call you who. That's the Altarebbe's example. Of a person who you just met, then he leaves your presence. So then you can't say Atta anymore, but you say who. You cannot say he doesn't exist. You can't say he's fundamentally concealed. That is what he calls the second level, Baruch Hu, what he calls Galgalta Da'arich. So Reishan Atzalim. It's beyond the spheres, but it has, it is a, but it, you know that it's there. You know it's Mitzis, not it's Muhus. Then he says there's a level of Reisha Deloyis Yada. And he uses words like this. You like this. Very quantum like words. He says, it's not that it doesn't under, know anything, it's beyond the relationship with knowledge. If you don't mind, give me the, the, the that say for that. I just want to read one line for Rav Meisha. I found it to be. It's hard to know what the Alter Rebbe said because he's a Hanachis from them. So whether the Alter Rebbe actually said, said this or didn't say it, <coughs> you know, bring me the bag with the, the battery because I think I have to change the battery. What are you talking about? Yeah, this is the the. I'll go back. This is Barak Shamar in the first Pirush, but it's applied also, it's clear that it's, you could apply it also to the other Pirush. Just one second, I want to just read this one second. Let me just... He says a language like this. He says like this. Shalei siyad de muhusa vechusa ba'atzmus afal pikein nirgish mitzusim mitzad apulo shalom v'hayel elam. When we say Baruch shalom v'hayel elam, he's basically saying that you, God, who on your own does not have relationship with us, because we are completely beyond us. You should have a Omar speak and relate to us. That's what it means. I mean, we, we read this already, but he says it specifically. I'm reading this level. And then a few other places. I just translated. So the point is that, bottom line is that um, the first step, and this is what this is the key. In the last chapter, we learned this is Rosh Hashanah that we re- reawaken the desire uh, for the for Elamis. So we're talking about the relationship, the relationship level. That Atmos has once existence. We know that. 
that uh, that he wants the the pleasure that comes from Dira Pitakhtainim, we also know that. But a relationship with the details of existence, which to, which should be seen as a means and negligible or unnecessary, that's Ratzon illness. And that is all the way in the root. That's the Baruch Shama Vahayelam. That's why that, that opening is so critical. Because it creates the first connection between the Lifnei uh, symptom and existence. But it's there, it's in a state that's, uh, as you said, no details. It's significant. We're not proving yet that, it, that it's what he knows. Well, it's significant because, no, no. Once Adam and Sof Simpson wants a world, you already have a world that's rooted there. He only wants a world because of the... <clears throat> so then he doesn't need the Rotson that he has without the Rotson. That's fine. That's, that's the, then you don't need the Rotson ailments. Then you can just... He has the pleasure and then the world's at some point after the Simpson. He wants the world... That, so we're talking about now Rotson for ailments. The Rotson for the building as you know it. The structure. The, the Ratzin, the desire, the pleasure, is before the Ratzin, the elements. There would yeah. be no error and so forth together. That's an Atmos. So he slept along the world, as if, like, is it secondary? Is it or you, or you, you, that's the question. If he slept it along, you can say then, then at the end they, they're dropped off yeah. somewhere. But if it's a Ratzin that's Lifnei at Simpson, and then that, that you're saying that Atmos, Eid ain't soft, Lifnei at Simpson desires this world, the Chetzenius we're talking about of the worlds, then it's not just a, a negligible thing. It's a major difference. You could argue that the Ratzin Elmas does not root is not rooted Lifniat Simpson. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the point. In other words, so Baruch Shamavahilam is rooted that in the highest levels there is the so called the beginnings of him imagining existence. Then comes Baruch Hu, where you have a level that is that is concealed, but it's relative concealment. Because you know it's Mitsis, you just don't know it's Muhus. That's Baruch Hu. That's Esos Firas Agnuzis. Yeah, that he states clearly. He states clearly. Esos Firas Agnuzis is... Yeah, it's concealed to us. We can't see it, but it's... But you can extrapolate. Just like you can extrapolate that you have a Kayach HaMaskil, you can also come to that uh, conclusion. Right, right. You can't say Loyesiada means the concept of awareness doesn't exist. It's just... It's just an etzim. It's also not Atmos Atmos, but it's uh, but it's that's Eirein Sof, that's Lifnei Eleis That's before. That's Baruch Shamar. Baruch Shamar is taking from Reisha Deleis Yada, from a from a state that is fundamentally unknowable to anyone. Knowledge is not even a, a, a reality there. Awareness is not a reality. No, it's it's a level where there's no. Uh, he says, "Gili not feel not la atzme," and there is Baruch Shama. That's Reish Leisha. The Gili that feel la atzme, there's no Gili. It's like I said, like etzem. When your etzem is, is is there, but you're not thinking about it, it's there, but it doesn't need thought. It doesn't need consciousness to to exist. It's not in a state of interact. You see, consciousness is immediately an interaction between you and yourself. When you're aware that you're there, there's already a communication going on. You're speaking to yourself, so to speak. You know, when you're not aware, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means you're beyond aware. It's like above awareness. When you say hesachadas, Mashiach Bob hesachadas, you don't mean mean lemaylamadas. But there's the two levels. Anyway, I want to add one more thing. What about the thing of Shunei? That the, if he knows every detail, doesn't that cause Shunei? I mean, like before he didn't know. You mean which level are you talking before? 
If you're talking Atzmas, there's no issue there at all because because it doesn't know it the way we know it. You know, it's not like it doesn't manifest. In Eden Sov, there already gets when the Rambam says, for example, his idea is not like ours. He's talking already on a lower level. Yeah, because the Atzmas you don't have to say his idea is not like us. That's a double. You don't need to even go. He's saying that even when he's manifest, even when he's sitting with us and having a conversation, so to speak, and he's knowing it the way we know it, he also doesn't know it the way because ultimately, Midias Atzma Yudeis Kolam Mitzoyim, or uh, or it's like Oyed. In other words, remember. Yeah, that's what I'm saying about all the details of every the struggles that you go through. Like, it's his own massive in his idea. No well, this is why the example of air comes into play. That from his perspective, it's still like Oyed. It's, it's more complicated. You're, no, the question is a good question. Even when, in other words, the point is there is going to be a paradox at the end of the day. When he is involved, when, when you're talking about the relationship where the Abish has a relationship with us, even Eris and Caleb. There is yes, there is there is an element of Shina at one end, but being that from his perspective it's all air, air does not affect the source. This is remember the examples he spoke about the sun and the soul and all that, and he kept saying the sun has to shine, the soul is limited to a body. He says, but the Atmos it has all the milus of air without the chesenus of air. In other words, bottom line is it has both qualities. Air is only an example of no shinui, but on the other hand, it works like a shefa. Remember, you said for uh, from our kekenu, it's a shefa. Keke, it's air. This is going to be. This is this is ultimately a paradox. In other words, what you're saying is that he does does have a relationship with us on our terms, but he's not affected by that relationship. Now there is a level for sure. You have to say there is a shinui. That there's a negay because negay, but it's not. It depends where you're talking. If you're talking about, let's say, when Mashiach will come, will there be a shinui and atzmos? That now the has been fulfilled. You have to say that it, it fulfilled something, but you can't speak. You see, when you speak in atzmos, atzmos does not think in terms of something being fulfilled because the whole Dirabatahtanim is only from Atmos perspective. It's not about I'm missing something and you feel remember I said yesterday, it's not about that's what's the way we speak. From Atmos perspective, the Dirabatahtanim, all you can say is a fulfillment, but it doesn't it's not about um, it, it's it's like it it's, need, it, but it's, it, yeah, but, you know I do not I I mean to find words to say there's no shinui there. For me it comes down to remember it's Lamail Mizman it's, uh, I, I think it needs a lot of uh, Havana to understand how something can... Um, we're stuck in Newtonian logic and stuff until we get to, it's, it's, to the it's, point where it's, we stop it. It's, we it's, stop it's, in Newtonian as normal it, it, effect life. Everything we do is pull it back and all of a sudden we get to a place where we just say we don't know. And, and, and that's what... No, but 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 when you say it after you, but there's deeper than that. You could relate to it even on an Atzmizdika level. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I mean, it's not really relevant to our discussion here. But no. But I would say the following. If you remember when he spoke about Rotson, he said so. Rotson doesn't affect the Rotson. Doesn't give him contentment. Remember, he says it says Gemenucha. So he says the Menucha is not uh, a Shinui. If you remember. The way I would describe it is something like this. Uh, the best way I could right now say it, explain it, it'll probably, you know, more issues as we go along. Um, when when the Chavon al of Dirib will be fulfilled, you can say, on every level, something will happen. So on the lower levels, there's no question, you know, Eris and Kalim will be aligned completely, just like you'd say uh, a, an unhealthy body found health, healed. 
So there's no question. There's a part of the body. Hold on, no, one second. The part of the body that's going to sense it clearly. You know, a moment before, God forbid, there was a disease. I'm talking about Golis as a disease. I'm just giving you an example. And now the body is healthy. There was a blockage, God forbid, and now the blockage has been removed. The blood, blood is flowing. How, what's the impact, let's say, on the Kreches Nelomim? So there too, you can say there's an impact. Before they were unable to manifest completely, let's say, in your eyes and your ears, because they were... But the impact already is much more subtle. On your actual arms and legs, you could say, I couldn't move, now I can move. The Kreches Nelomim, it's more of, it wasn't being able to be Nizgala, now it could be Nizgala. You see already a much lesser, more less tangible change. What about Kechus Atzmim? The Kechus Atzmim never needed to be revealed. So what happened now? So you have to say the Kechus Atzmim, being conscious of all this, will have a certain satisfaction from the fact that it's healed. But it's not because they are now being revealed, because they don't need to be revealed. The Nechus Nalamim are missing that type of expression. Right. The Kechus Atzmim is not lacking Gili, it's lacking fulfillment. And if you go to Atzmus HaNeshama, even deeper than Yechida. What happens there? You have to say that there's something that is fulfilled, but you can't call it Shini because it didn't need to be expressed. In other words, what you're really asking is not so much how God relates to us. How does the Atmos relate to Eden Sof Lifniat Simtsum that manifests in Arotz and Le'elimus once those Elimus fulfill their purpose? So there you have to say, since it's Kuli and Atmos, so for sure... There le- you see, there are levels that need to say, okay, I was missing something, now I got something. There are levels that say, I was not revealed, now I'm revealed. There's levels that say, uh, I'm content with what it came. And then there's a level that you don't speak about. That's the, the difficulty. You're, you're trying to figure out how Atmos reacts to Dira B'tachtene. Maybe it doesn't react. There's no, the, world of, the word called reaction doesn't exist. It's almost impossible for us to relate to. That's why we're not Atmos. Just making the question stronger and stronger. I don't think you're any. I don't know. What? Huh? You, you want Atmos on your terms? That's not going to happen. I made the question stronger. I thought I answered it, actually. Okay, it's interesting how we. <laughs> when we come to these levels, do you use it? What you use it for me is an answer. You're, you're a question. Very nice. I'm about the same thing. We have no idea what's going on there. So what, what, I don't speak that way. That doesn't make sense to me. Can I say that he's crying with me? He's laughing with me? He. What, 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 let me let me say what happens if I answered you both. He is and he's not. That's probably the answer. One second. Is there a problem with that? I mean, in terms of the big picture, no problem. But no, no. What's the problem with that? Because you don't relate to opposites. No, yeah. Right. That's the problem. But 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 Edson, it's not a problem. It's not the philosophy of the thing. So re- that's going to be the ultimate answer. And when you're at peace with it, then you'll uh, God, you'll you'll be able to see God's face. You're not at peace with it. You're still in your because limitations. This doesn't mean you don't understand. Why would you say that? You're making it sound like. So why don't you say the same thing about quantum? We just don't understand. You don't say that. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I, I say it like this. By you know, it depends depends how trapped you are in your way of looking at things. As soon as you realize that your way of looking is not the only way to look at it, you're right away open to. Who says? But I think paradox makes more sense than than logic. Since what? If this table is a table and not a chair, sure. to me. That's much more limited than saying it's a table and a chair. I just don't relate to that world because I'm a limited human being. You say there's paradox and no paradox. No, no what happens is a place where paradox is not even paradox. That's what I'm saying. It's not paradox even. Exactly. Well, paradox and no paradox. I, uh, yeah, so you can't relate to that. 
I can relate. I can relate to that because it's, I can relate to that. And I understand no, but, that. no, but I, but I can relate to that. It's more true than our reality. Me too. So that's what we need to know. So then, what do you want? What else do you want? You want more than that? That that's a gift of God's. Because he could have made it that we shouldn't even relate to the whole thing. We wouldn't even know that. Fine. That I'm fine with that. I'm very comfortable with this. Very comfortable. However, however, here's a simple point. Had this been had the, the, never been at symptom, this we would never have emerged, even talk about it. Now we we exist, right now we're sitting here. We have yeshes. We can do whatever we want and we can go back to that place. That's the thing. The question the Kiddush here is not from Atman. The Kiddush is that we should be able to relate to beyond paradoxes. That's the whole deal of Taktain, that Atmos can, can create something, Nivdul Matsmusay, he can do whatever he wants. But he wants that we should be aware. Now who's this we in Atmos? You could say we don't even exist within Atmos. But that's the Ratsan he wanted something Nivdul Matsmusay. Yeah, let's put it this way. In Atmos, nothing is separate from Atmos. But he created realities where separation becomes real. That's what that's what an Atmos can do. It's a complete paradox. Because within Atmos, there's no something, something separate. Yet he created something that's separate and it's really separate, and that separate reconnects all the way to that. I look, look. I don't think this is a one minute or five minute or even an hour conversation. This is a process. You go through all these levels, it becomes easier to relate to. That's all I can really say. There's no question. Let's put it this way. Let's not talk about Atmos now. Talking about the levels of area and self definition that we're discussing, definitely refine your way of thinking. That is, goes beyond existence and helps you enter. That's all I would really say. That's where we're going. Because if, if he could jump there quickly, why would the Rebbe Rashab take us through this agony? Go there. As you said, we can, we can understand, we can relate that there's something totally, totally above us and there's paradox, we accept it and everything. But when it comes down to the Rebbe you know, as you always say, so no, but I, I, the reason the reason I, I resist what you're saying the reason I resist what you're saying is because no 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 but, but it's not what I'm saying I'm telling you it's not what I'm saying well I resist what you're saying is then why are we why are we sitting here and talking about it we should stop learning and go go do mitzvahs why are we talk why, why well, based on what you just said my question would be why learn about it you come to this conclusion because what you're saying is not how I would put it you see you you're saying it's not understanding I'm trying to tell you that you can understand not understanding. And you need to work very hard to understand it. You're just saying, I mean, you know, when, when a child says, I don't know, and when a, someone who learned all of Ayin Bez says, I don't know, it's not the same, I don't know. That's my point. So what you're saying is really, to me, I'm not saying that's what you mean. To me, it's almost like a cop-out. Since we don't get it anyway, so what's the, so, what, so we're doing this out of Kabbalah cell. We're learning. The Alter Rebbe wants us to learn a little. No. Okay, well, I, that's where I said that. That's why I, I don't... Unhealthy and and I'm adding one more thing. It actually lets us on. I will say to you that we can come to the Tachos Neda. The ultimate knowledge is to know that you don't know. So most uh, the Ikrim says that, and the simple interpretation is you come to know that you don't know, or how much more there is to know. And Chassidus says no. You come you do it in Leneda. You know that, that the unknowable. And I absolutely stand by that because to me the whole if, if you take that away, we don't need Altareb. What did Alter Rebbe achieve exactly? Telling us what everyone knew that you can't understand God? tells that we don't understand God. We know that. They knew it from the beginning of time. Ask Eve. Of course we don't know God. You don't need Alter Rebbe to teach us. He wanted us to integrate that we don't know God. It should be part of our knowledge that you can own 
the knock, and by by coming to understand that knowledge itself is not the only tool, and that knowledge can know the unknowable. You have inside of you right now. I have inside of me my some of my soul. Is that a knowable state or not no, unknowable state? It's an unknowable state. But there's a connection between our knowledgeable tools and that unknowable place. And we could connect, and that does not come easy. You can't just jump there. No way, no way you can jump. Just, you can't go into the Kedush Kedoshim without going through all the other levels. There's no way in. And that's what, they, that's what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. There's no way in. The only way in is through the, the, these steps. Even Shuvah doesn't take you to that place. Shuvah takes you like an express train. You made a mistake, sin, whatever. You can jump over and go back. You go to a deeper place. No, you go to a deeper place than regular Avoida. 100%. As a matter of fact, in one of the Maimorim of, I think, uh, another Maimor from Baruch Shammah, he says, he speaks about Eimek. Eimek Betech Eimek. He says, Eimek, talk about the ten, uh, there's a Shir Amal's Mamakim. He says, Eimek Mamakim is two. Eimek and Eimek. He says, Eimek is Arich. Basically, what we're talking about, Baruch Hu, Shir Atzmi Bekayach. And Eimek Betech Eimek is Radla. And he says the first aimic is the rotsen within every one of our faculties, and the other one is the rotsen within the rotsen. And then he goes deeper and says, even in Kesser, you have the rotsen within the rotsen of Kesser, and the rotsen within the rotsen within the rotsen of Kesser. And that's complete, completely concealed. And through Tshuva, Yom Kippur, you reach Radla, and through regular, and the rest of Aved, you reach uh, Arich. So, no, but so, what I'm trying to say is, what I'm saying is like this. It might be a subject. Just to say, oh. I, I grapple with the point of fast upon him and I got a practice at the same time. If it says that's, that's the question he asked. If it says <laughs> upon him, how could it be that there's like a little every person's individual struggles less doing the Holocaust and there was a it was a time of fast upon him. At the same time we say he knew exactly what was going on with every person and every at every moment. So then it's not you, you know, um, you know, I wanna say one thing, I wanna say this. I think it's important. You know, you ever see the difference between somebody like an expert, a professional in a particular subject, and an amateur? Let's say somebody reads all kinds of books, let's say, on, on surgery, on, medical, on heart surgery. And then you have a heart surgeon who's been doing it for 20 years. It's going to be a big difference between that, right? Not just he has experience. One knows all the details, and he can, and he can repeat it to you. If you test him, he'll know it. But because he hasn't done it, there's lacking, let's call the Eir HaElal Kolona. He has the details, like more book smart. But he doesn't have the, 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 the picture, the, the invisible, the nuances. In any given area of expertise. I think, I think when we climb the ladder that we're discussing, you know, we begin by a piece here, a piece here, then we try to reconcile it, and we start building a picture. There comes a point when you look through this well enough, and you really do with Aveda, you climb, that you start getting the picture that has a lot more details and a lot of nuances. And this isn't just because you want to have all the be thorough, because it's the only way to start understanding how God works. There are many levels, and, they, and many of them contradict. Initially, you don't even relate, you, you can't relate to it because it seems like, one second, it says here like this, and then here like that. What's going on? But then comes a point where you start seeing them, and not only don't they contradict, you start seeing, okay, they're all part of the puzzle, they're all necessary, there are parts where it works this way. I guarantee you that, and I just use medical surgery as an example, that medical surgery, that if we went with our book knowledge, you'll find contradictions. 
And the surgeon will say, well, when a situation comes like this, we do it like this. And say, what do you mean? But the book says, he says, yeah, but then you see how one thing impacts another. And I mean, my point is that knowledge is not just accumulation of a many details. There comes all kinds of things that come up that become, like life. If someone asks you, what's life? Life is full of contradictions. But there are people who know how to ride through these contradictions. Why am I saying this? I'm saying, you're, you're absolutely right. And we all begin with these questions of God, Hester, Ponim, the Holocaust. And we never really have an answer. Because on one hand, you can say the whole Holocaust, this is God's mysteries, we'll never get it. And when a mother is crying over the loss of her children, you're not going to sit there and try to figure out rational, not because you're being sensitive, because what are you going to tell her? You have some explanation for this? As a matter of fact, the explanation is even more obscene than the initial uh, tragedy. Are you going to explain it also? That, that innocent children, uh, one and a half million innocent children should have been burned in crematoriums in the Holocaust? Who can explain such a thing? Yet, on the other hand, we speak about the growth people come to Yuridit Tzedekhaliyah, People come through growth through this. And it doesn't contradict the lack of knowing. The Rebbe has in a letter, I used it in my chapter in Torah Meaningful Life on uh, pain and suffering. There's two aspects when you deal with pain and suffering. There's the emotional impossibility to fathom this. And the br- most brilliant mind cannot speak to a bleeding heart. Forget about it. It will never happen. And if you think you can talk to someone else, God forbid someone themselves suffer, it doesn't matter how brilliant they are. Their heart is going to cry. And there's no way around it. I remember when the Rebbe spoke very emotional sicha, one of the most vulnerable I ever heard the Rebbe being raw, the shleshim of the Rebbe, Chaim Mushka. And he said then the following words. It was Pasha Pada, shleshim. So he asked the question, the Medr says, that when Moshe saw that all the tumas, God gave him all the taras, tumas, nida, tumas, zov, whatever. Came tumas mess, miskarkam upon of Shomesha, his face became green, white, whatever. He started to tremble. What will be, how will you purify this? The Rebbe, I remember, I remember the Rebbe vividly. I wrote it actually, and it was like very, it was hard to even hear the Rebbe speak. He started saying, What well, bothered Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu knows the Ebishter takes and he gives. He knows just like he can make Tuma, he can make Tar, he can make Tchis Hames. The Ebishter, then he goes on, Moshe was Choch Medat Silas. He knew all the Biyure Mechsidis. This is what the Rebbe said. You read the Tzedek Chaliyah, and that what we see, we and we only see the small picture. Suddenly he came, what is he? It was clear that Rebbe was talking about himself. Because he said, that's what he said. Yeah. You know, then the Rebbe's answer was fascinating. The Rebbe said, Rebbe says, the gates did, then the heart cannot understand it. That's what he said. So all the seichels, all fine and good, but the heart, Moshe could not, he felt the death. It wasn't he was asking a philosophical question, how God can heal. Of course God can heal. Everything is possible. How can I, you know, he could not relate to it. So the Ebershah said, Here, I'll show it to you. That's the answer. He showed it with his finger. The Rebbe didn't get into the answer. But clearly some gili atmos calmed Moshe down. You know, whatever it was. My point that I'm trying to say is, so if you ask a question, we have contradictions between our heart and our mind. Your mind, let's say, could understand that God understand is, is greater. But your heart hurts from it. Is God there when your heart is hurting also? Or God is only there when you have the vonna? My point is, this, this is not... You ask a child who's linear is going to say, either this or that. When you get older, you realize, you know something? There's multiple realities. I, I can be 
you know, see people who came out of the Holocaust completely destroyed, and they rebuilt their lives. Ask them, how do they do that? That's a human being, we're not even talking about God. How do you, can you, who lost your whole family, I mean you, I mean, you know, your wife and children, how do you even wake up in the next morning? Explain that to me. And they'll answer, I don't know. In the beginning I didn't think it's possible, and then I just rebuilt my life. And some people didn't. And I'm not, we're not judging anyone here, we're not, these things are paradoxes, I don't know. You see people suffered unbelievably, where other people completely get devastated, and they, they, they move on, not because they're colder or detached or because it doesn't bother them. There's, there, there are mysterious forces in the spirit, in the soul, that are resilient, that, to me, relating to that is not, I don't have to understand it. It's part of reality too. Since when is logic the, the, the final arbitrator arbitra of, of reality? Jews, Jews survived. It wasn't based purely on logic. Then there's a logical part. Whatever you can do with logic. You see, to me, the mind, when I was younger, I overrated it. To me, the mind is one tool in the tool chest. That's all it is. Why is faith? Faith is not absence of reason. The, 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 the modern enlightenment like to make believe that faith is absence of reason. Reason is everything. You don't have reason. Okay, I believe. Maybe faith is beyond reason. Not maybe, for sure. I'm talking about a little child who holds his parent's hand when he crosses the street and he believes in the parent. I'd say that, that's, uh, that's immaturity. That's, 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 that's childishness. It's good for that stage. Then comes a point where, where I always say this to people, very secular audiences. I said, let me ask you a question. Anybody here has fallen in love? Anyone married? Yeah. Tell me, marriage is an act of faith or an act of logic? So, of course, everyone starts laughing and saying it's an act of insanity, actually. Yeah, but you all did it. You know? Why? But let's talk on the, on a, well, what do we say? What's our answer? Our answer is you date someone. Whatever the reasons why we need to date, whether it's a mitzvah, whether it's attraction, whether human beings need a companion, I'm not even getting into the, all the driving force. There comes a point, you got to know this person. We're talking about, you know, unhealthy. Then comes a point, do you go and commit the rest of your life with this person? Tell me, that act, what kind of certainty can you have? How do you know this person is absolutely for you? There's no way logically you could answer that. You could say, I, it's called informed decision. I did everything I could do with my, with my seichel, with my emotions. It seems right. Now I have to take a leap. If someone's going to be, a computer will, will not take the leap. A computer will say, I got all the data is right. To make the move, you've got to make the decision. It's like a boss has to make a decision based on what? Based on all the knowledge you have. And then there's a state where you'd make a move that is not purely logical. I wouldn't call it irrational. I would call it super rational. The mind has taught you, has come to you, are you going to stay in the fence or are you going to, make, are you going to enter the door? And, you, and, and, and there is an element of faith in that. That's just, my point that I'm trying to say, that the, so someone say to you, okay, so explain to me love, is it logical? The person you married, could you have married anyone? The answer would be, no, not really. This person had the qualities that allowed me to get to that door. I, another person I may never even have wanted to go out again with. But they'll say, but you know, maybe if you... you I mean, this is a question, you can't even answer the question like that. Yeah, if I may have met another person and we also went through all the stages and, and I went through, yeah, that, everything is possible. My point is that there's a lot, of re, a lot of realities going on at once here. And I think that that's why, that's why I believe the real, one of the big values of learning this and also the davening, Baruch Sha'amar, each step. Frankly, I think each step here is a psychological step of acclimating ourselves to a reality that's beyond our linear world. And when you do it, your kalim become more refined, and you do become a kalim for more. So bottom line is like this. One thing is for sure. That atmos has it all, and impacted, not impacted, I, I will never maybe understand. doesn't matter. But one thing, we are definitely limited kalim. 
And one thing is also sure, we can, we, we can, we have evidence that our Canalium can expand. And things that today seem to you almost impossible to understand, with a little time you can begin to relate to it. Maybe even understand it. So why not say that since all these Kaliminators are built by God, that when, as you expand them, in them is embedded the DNA of Atmos, if I could call it that, that ultimately when you do what you got to do, that will begin to inform you. And maybe at the end of the day, you don't find God, He finds you. You know, maybe at the end of the day, when you let all your tools, you use all your tools, you come to the door, and you put them aside, then something emerges, a reality that's beyond that you would ever have imagined. That's how I see it. What's Martin Taylor at the end of the day? You count 49 days, the 50th day, you can't count. So you say, why don't you just give me the 50th? doesn't work that way. You need the 49 steps. You need your Kalim. Do that, then a reality emerges. Because within the Kalim and Eris of Atzillus, right, and within the Eris and Kalim of Bria and Yitzhira and so on, lies Atmos. However, we don't see it. All we see is the structure. So I think when you when you climb the ladder, let's say from the backwards, we go from Baruch Eisebreshis, through which is Atzilus Eris and Kalim, and you go to Baruch Gezer Mekayim, which is Yitzira the Klolos, and then you go to Baruch Gezer Ve'esa, Ak, and then Baruch Hu, the ten hidden spheres, and Baruch Shama Bahaya Elam. I'm going backwards. You are essentially entering, you're almost going back to the Big Bang. You're going back to the moment where it all began, I say moment, to the process, the beginning of the process, the beginning of the pipeline. You know, down, you're, going, you're going down the rabbit hole to where it began, where the process began. When I say process, a process we can relate to. The process began before there was a process. That's Atmos, but that's not, that's a whole different thing. And, and I would say that if you're able to enter into Baruch Shem Elam, the, the first, the Big Bang, when you're there, you'll probably get a message from Atmos. Because you're right there. Where, where, and, and that message is not going to come through your Aveda. That will emerge. That's how I would put it. And when that emerges, you'll have the experience that you have, whatever it is. That, that's the only way to really... That, that's, that's the key. When we say, for example, we go with our Aveda with Tamvadas, then you come to Aveda Lamail with Tamvadas. So that's still our Aveda. You know? And then you come to a point where it's not even an Aveda. There comes a point where, where Atmos does his part. Or let's put it this way, you're a Kali, so Atmos emerges. Atmos will emerge inside of you. I, you can completely, you can, you can, you can relate to that, that approach. That's the, what it comes down to. So, 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 right, exactly. So as soon as you're talking, we talk to, remember we're talking about, there's the Eir, the Gile Lezulas. You know, the Eir Mamala, Primi, was Lahoyer Ala Elamis. Okay, so it has a function for worlds. So that's a relationship between the worlds and that Eir. There comes the air that's only Indian is the Gilead Etzim. It's still air. It's Makif, it's Rotsen on a lower level. So but there too, it's revealing God. When you come to that point and you start saying, so what happens now with the Atmos power? How am I going to get that? You're not going to get that in that way. The, because that's already an experience that once you get there, then you uh, relate to it in some way. And I don't think you can define it quite in that way. Quite in any type of a tangible, uh, possible way. And the key thing is that we could get there with our kalim. You could enter as you are. As, as, as strange and paradoxical as that sounds. You couldn't enter in the beginning, but if you do what you got to do, because at the end of the day, the Eir HaGvul, the Eir HaBligvul, and the Kei HaGvul of kalim all have within them the same code. The one Ahdus code of, of the, the unity. 
I mean, I think science today, technology, are very good examples for it because they're coming to a unified point. All, all kinds of different systems all see that there's, certain, there's a unified message that connects them all. So, what, what, what tells 75 trillion cells or billions and trillions of uh, um, fib- details in the fibers of existence that should all work together? Explain that one. I don't get that. But it's a reality every second. Right now, the sun goes up. Everything, the whole world just works in a very organized way. And it's all different details. What, who, who is the captain? So you have the ultimate paradox right there. Obviously, we're talking here on a much deeper level. Look, what I'm sharing right now is things, obviously, I've processed, I've learned, and so on. I don't think I, I, I can replace what you have to do. I can give you a little insight from where I'm down, you know, what stage I'm at. But I think that it, it's, it's really having these type of tools and methods that help relate it. I think the Baruch Shomar is an uh, unbelievable, uh, uh, what's it called, meditation process of how something from nothing emerges. And it's true. Uh, we, we don't see the stage where the etzem becomes a rotzen. We don't see it even in ourselves. We, we don't even see where Kayach HaMaskil, Chach becomes Chachma, let alone where etzem HaNefesh becomes a desire. We don't see it. It's true. But seeing is only a limited tool. But we can relate to it, and we're getting the picture. And when you start getting it, you can start imagining it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see the way Chochmah gets into Chochmah the way you see Chochmah. You want to give up your... You have to give up your way of thinking to be able to understand that. There's no way. If you were able to go to the Etzim Nefesh and see it like you... Like, you know, let someone put it on the table here. Maybe that's why the Rebbe Rashab said that it'll be Magashim when he's, to show the plate. Because he realized they wouldn't be able to see it. And because they'd think of it as a... Oh, you know, okay, showing you a trick. Hey, I see you see a divine energy suddenly, you know, glowing. We 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 see it as a magic. We didn't see it as elikus. I mean, that's maybe what he meant. The Rebbe Rashab said, on the plate." You can't show someone that a magic trick. You can't show it because then it would be back in your terms. The whole point is seeing elikus for elikus's value, not just not uh, right, not a trick. You know, you're going to see. Let's say you don't say a plate. You'll see instead of a plate, you'll see flames. So okay, so what happened? You saw nothing. You saw God that the Rebbe can do a miracle. You know, Matbei Shalesh, whatever. Yeah, 100%. That heart of I want to say one more thing in this uh, chapter 71 that I found there. At the end of the Mimer, in summarizing, because this was a, even though it was a relatively easier chapter than the others, but it has its own complications. So in, in, the, in the chapter, briefly, he said that... Uh, That is five levels of the soul. This corresponds to the five levels. Baruch Shamar Bahayelam and Baruch Hu is Chidan Chaya. And this is, by the way, the first explanation of Baruch Shamar is very much this chapter because it's the two levels of Keser. So Chidan is the higher level that's beyond altogether. No details. Chai is already the beginning of the details, like the ten hidden spheres. Then there's the three levels of neshama, neshama, refresh, ruch, neshama, afterwards, which is 
Baruch Emer Ve'Oisa, which is already related to some reality, to, 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 to existence. You have Baruch Gezer Mekayim, which is Ruach. Biyah basically. And Asiya is Baruch Oisa Breshis. So then he began and spoke about the process of how this. So he said like this. In the beginning, the first time, this Baruch Sha'amar came from above. Chofetz Chesed. But then it comes through Aravayda. I'm just summing up this chapter because uh, I think there's a key, few key points I wanted to add. Okay. Now, the, the thing is like this. So existence itself, do we, does, is it dependent on us or dependent on God? So first he says, well, the world exists even without us. God made the commitment, the covenant to Noyach. So he says, no, but even that depends on Aved. But then he says, everything expires, the energy, and then it has to be renewed. But the fact is the world is still there. But it's in a diminished way. That's the key. So he explains it's like sleep. So the bottom line is existence is will have certain minimal energy based on God allowing it to continue. But it will be asleep. So what, what, what do we do? What is our role then? Our role is to awaken the Premier Sarotsin. The purpose for it all. Because that is dependent on us. So it works like this. One second. So God wanted the world in order to be it should be Gilelikus. The first time he put it all in place. From here on, how could it be Gilelikus? It's up to us. God is not going to impose his revelation. So he puts the whole machine in place. Now the machine gets weaker and weaker and weaker until Erev Rosh Hashanah it's about, it falls asleep. Now if nothing is done, Technically, it'll be from now on asleep. It'll be like it'll never wake up. It gets weaker and weaker, or just, just I said that. It doesn't say it gets weaker and weaker. So they stop. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Every day is the same thing. The day ends, and the and you go and the body goes to sleep. Technically, you're still alive, but you're asleep. So you could think psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, the world can exist, but it can be completely asleep, unaware of anything. Here's where Rotkir Shefer and Aveda comes in. Aveda comes in to awaken the purpose of it all. Rotsan Lamalucha, not the Rotsan Lailamas. Once there's a Rotsan Lamalucha, the only way for Malucha to be is you need worlds. For the Gilead Lakus to be possible, you need a world where you're going to reveal it. So the world is then now revived. In other words, when you wake up in the morning and you say Maida'ani, what you're saying is, I understand why you put us here, why you put me here. I am committed to revealing godliness. So God says, okay, here's another day. Here's your body. Now you have your body at full force. It's not asleep anymore. So the Aratz and is gets revived due to the fact that there's a commitment through Aveda to, for the Kavana of the Elamis. Maybe the difference between sleep and being awake is the consciousness before you're not conscious. Now you're conscious. Okay, fine. Yeah. Not only the physical aspect of it. You could say that. There's a different way, yeah. That's the whole Yeah. We become aware of our purpose. So that's what he says. I'll be saying that the is the air is mismayit. Exactly. But what, what Adam did? And he said, The world is there. And they don't know what they're for. And then he says, yeah. In other words, the bottom line is awakening the existence. In a, existence itself becomes more, vi, more has more vitality when you are fulfilling its purpose. Or if not, which is, which is obvious. Because if you're spiritually asleep, 
you're also physically more asleep. That's the bottom line. What he's saying, even though you see people moving around, but but they're, they're but, so then he says, okay, so the testosterone gets weaker and weaker and weaker till the world till the till the gili is completely concealed. He said, cheshech av kafel mechupel, and that's why you need neir Hashem yishmas adam. You need neir is lohoyres acheshech, and that's where the human being comes in. Vehei bracha. I'm just I'm just reviewing here what he says here, and that's through us. First, begin revealing it, in, and now comes what's the process? The process is first revealing it within yourself. So, Baruch Shammah within yourself, revealing Baruch Hamshacha of Amar Vahaya Elam within Elam Nasan Belibam, and that in turn reveals it in the worlds, and you have the worlds become refreshed, and the gili in those worlds becomes refreshed. That's what he said. But then at the end, he said, Remember, we spoke which way does it go? Does it come from us or it comes from above? So I look at the Maimarim. They say an interesting question they ask. That Al-Mitl Rebbe and Siddur, and the same thing in the Maimarim of the other Hanochas, he asks a question like this. Api Kabbalah and Api Siddur is seemingly Baruch Shama has two different meanings. In Kabbalah, Baruch Shama is the Gili from the Eirein Sof, it should be in Nizgala and Arotzen. In other words, Ak or however, whatever level. The bottom line, there should be a revelation from a concealed dimension of the divine. It should become that you should have some... And then Baruch Hu is the next level that you're revealing also the concealed that is... Uh, That's actually Baruch Hu in both cases, right? Baruch Hu is the second level. No, Baruch Hu is... In, it depends, it's always the second level Baruch Hu. And he says these words. That's Al Kabbalah. And Al Pichsidis is Baruch Shamar to reveal it within the Nisham. He asked that. And he says, that's not a contradiction, they're those are the words. They're interdependent. And he gives an example. It's a very interesting example. You know what he says the example? He gives an example of a chavis, a chavis, a uh, barrel of, of wine or liquid. So when it's not full, it's not full. When it's full, it bursts open and spills over. So he said, when there's a bigger gili, Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Elam from Elokus, becomes Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Elam, it also spills over into the Nushama. So it also reveals the neshama. That's what he answers there. In one mimer I found that it says, Baruch when it spills over from the helam ha'atzmi into the gili, it also goes into Baruch it spills over into other levels. I would gather, I'm just saying this, I think the meaning of that is a lot deeper than just what I just said. I think it means that what's wise in the Gea, in Aveda, that level of Baruch Hu, is a field of energy, and then arose a desire. Why is that negay in Aveda? In Aveda, that's our etzim and should be revealed into our consciousness. So that's what he means. So in other words, when it spills over in the macrocosmic level, it gives power to spill over into the microcosmic level, and vice versa. Here it's mashma both ways. When you do it and you're aware of it within yourself, the purpose of revealing godliness in your life and to push away all other desires inappropriate ones, that reveals it also above. But then when he says, it's very clear that when, that that, that idea that, that your mamshich, baruch, hamshacha, is also, in, in our personal Aveda, that's, I would say, that's where Yechida begins to emerge. Why, why would we so essentially, that's the so it's basically on the on the macro on the world on a global level and on a personal level, it's the same idea. I mean, yeah, I'm right but then, why would we blow up before we do all this? Because what are we doing? 
Well, there's many reasons. I mean, blowing shofar. Listen, the blowing shofar comes with also saying the psukim of malchus zechurinzer. The psukim we say, let's say before shofar, is like is like uh, we do the psukim before hakafas. You bring rayas from Torah. I mean, to make the tkish. You mean what we do say Baruch Shama before uh, before we Shefer? Yeah, we say it every day. You're asking me if the Baruch Shama of Rosh Hashanah has a deeper. Of course it does. Look, he didn't go through the other tefillas. The Baruch Shama is a. You know, here's the connection of Baruch Shama Rosh Hashanah. I'm sure you can connect other prayers too. Shema Yisrael is Malchus. Baruch Shama to me sounds like more like a. Uh, 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 you know, we say Shema and Malchus, right? In the Pesukim Malchus, we say Shema, correct? Shem Echad, Baruch Shem. Malchus Echreinus Shefres. The currently Yem Rishon. Anyway, this is the meaning Zeh Yem Tchilis Masecha. This is the beginning of the purpose of creation, the Gili Elikus. The currently Yem Rishon. So that's a Zikaron, which is what's a Zikaron is the Helam. Of the that's concealed the 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 rotsen for worlds, so through awakening the purpose by fulfilling the revelation aspect, committing to the revelation, you um, create a new energy that goes through you you take create the which is only as a cotton because it's what he said it's helam on its own. Say so. What was the expression? Where's that expression? Oh, later, as a cotton there's a Kolyam mission. Because Chesen is Because it's only Chesen Saratan. It's only the Chesen Saratan, which is now only asleep. But through connecting to the inner purpose, you also awaken that, and they have a, re- a rejuvenation of existence. Okay, well, as I said, we probably won't go to Ayin Beis, so I was right. Chapter Ayin Beis, that is. So we'll stop here. A summary of chapter 71 and the chapters before. I hope this was helpful. Helpful, exp- helpful explanation. <laughs> Not today? Yeah. Let's stop right here. One second. I just did a summary of basically of Mimer Discourse 18. Rosh Hashanah Mimer.